You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. All right. So all of those who uh, get a little nervous about when the preacher steps up to preach and are wondering how much lunchtime they're going to lose, I got a clock. So... Hallelujah. God's good, right? Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. All righty. I see this look of consternation on your faces. Oh. This coming Friday, we have our healing rooms. We started a little over a year ago, Um, and from day one, we saw miraculous healings. Let me just see a show of hands. How many in here have been through or serve in our healing rooms? Let me see your hands. Good. Virtually everybody. So if you've been there, you know how good it is, and I'm sure you've heard the testimonies of people getting healed. Um, Some of them are instantaneous on the spot. Some of them come a little bit later, but how many of you guys know that it's not up to us to try to determine when somebody gets healed? Our job is to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, make disciples, right? I refuse to build theologies on why people do not get healed. I refuse to go there. I will not do it. Uh, When we do things like that, we set ourselves up for failure, and then we end up justifying when somebody doesn't get healed. I like this approach. If I pray for somebody and they don't get healed right then, do you know what I do? Pray for them again. If they don't get healed that time, you know what I do? Pray for them again. Why? I have this one mandate, heal the sick. It's not even pray for the sick, it's heal the sick. So this is kind of the heart, the core of why we started doing this in the first place, and we've seen such incredible healings. Um, So I'm encouraging you, since there was a large majority of people in the room who have either served in or been through, I'm asking you to do something. I'm giving you an assignment. Is that okay? Yes, Andrew, that's okay. You're the one leading here. You can do that anytime you want. Is that okay? Okay, good. I just wanted to check, make sure. I'm asking you to bring somebody who's sick. If it's you, if it's a friend, if it's a family member, if it's your neighbor, if it's somebody, a co-worker, it doesn't matter. Please bring them to this thing. It is... It is such a valuable, valuable tool. I'm not trying to pat ourselves on the back with this. I really feel like God's honoring it and God's favors on it, not because we're so great, but because we've just been faithful with doing it. How many of you guys know this? Aren't you thankful that God shows up in spite of our theology and not because of it? Isn't that a good thing? That God shows up in spite of our theology. If we had to wait for God to show up when our theology was perfect, he never would have come. I'm just trying to dispel a little bit here and make it easy. This is, this is what we're designed for. I mean, it, he doesn't show up because our theology is so great. He shows up because he's so great. What I want to do, what all of us want to do, and what we've taken on as a church is the mandate to heal the sick. So that's why we do these healing rooms. They've been fantastic. They've been profound. So it starts here Friday night. You can come with your friends or yourself uh, anytime between 7 and 8 o'clock. 
uh, and you can come in the door. They'll do an intake there. You're going to just immediately, from the minute you walk in the door, we've set this thing up so that people would get prophesied over, get prayed for, get encouraged, hear testimonies through the entire process. We have this belief that since we have four rooms, that we don't wait until we get to the last room for people to get healed. The people can get healed the moment they walk across the threshold. So what we do here is we shift atmospheres. We set it up so that from the moment people walk in the door, that healing is just in the room. Come on. Does that sound good to you guys? Awesome. Good. Everybody take a deep breath. Jesus, yes. You're so good. Take your Bibles. Open first to Matthew 28 this morning. I'm going to do a second part. I may end up having a third part to this. I don't know. I'm going to stick with what God's been working inside of me and just continue to bring, to it, bring it to you. But this is the second part of the message of the kingdom. I'm doing a series on this, evidently. I didn't know it, but Holy Spirit's just waking it up inside of me. So you get to be the beneficiaries of it as it comes out. So the message of the kingdom is what I want to talk about. Matthew 28 got your Bibles, your iPads, whatever you got there. Matthew 28, we're going to look at verse 18 and 19. Then Jesus came close to them and said, All authority, how much authority? All. All authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of the age. Come on, that's a good passage, isn't it? That is fantastic. Right there, we call it the Great Commission. I love that. For years, I grew up thinking, though, that the Great Commission was Jesus saying, this is what you're supposed to do, now you go do it. I'm going to go up here. Which is the story because he did ascend to heaven, and we know that. But it's not the great mission, it's the great commission. It's God working with us. Now, I don't know about you, this is the picture I carry with me sometimes. When I talk about healing rooms, when I talk about praying for the sick, when I talk about encountering people on the street, when we, with our school, our OSSM school, when we take that stuff out of the building and into other places, this is what I picture. I don't get afraid in ministering the gospel because I'm on a co-mission. It's kind of like Danielle was singing about it this morning, the worship team. You know, it's, you go and fight my battles. I'm standing here worshiping. You go and fight my battles. You bring back the head of my enemy and say, good job. So when it comes to ministry, when it comes to living on mission with him, I like to look at it like this. Everywhere I go, people are looking at me, but it's almost like they see me but they see my big brother right behind me. So whenever I have to approach something that may be difficult for me, I know that what people are seeing is not just me coming to them. They're seeing the person that I'm on commission with. Come on, is this helpful to you? That, that's what I want them to see. I don't want to disappear. Boy, I feel a bunny path coming on with that one. I don't want to disappear. We need to, we need to debunk that myth where people say things like, oh, I just want to disappear. All I want you to see is Jesus. There's a reason why he created you unique. There's a reason why he created you the way you are, because Jesus comes out of you in a way that he only comes out of you. 
He only comes out of you. It's the beauty of God. That's why I look at faces when you're in here and I say, you're beautiful. Why? You're beautiful because you're the only one who you, that's like you. And I see Jesus coming out of individuals like you that I will not see it out of anybody else. So I like to show up on the scene, bring who I am, bring my faults. I like to bring my strengths. I like to bring all of who I am and just know that when I go out and I'm on commission with God, that when he looks at me, it's like somehow people are seeing my big brother standing right behind me. Now, would that feel good to you if you're in situations where you feel like you're getting bullied a little bit? Isn't that great? You can walk in there and just go, yeah, my brother's really, really big. You can't touch me. He's really, really big. I got no reason to be afraid right here. Come on, this is helping somebody, isn't it? I have no reason to be afraid because when I walk in the room, my big brother's right behind me and ain't scared. (laughs) That's not what I wanted to talk about this morning, but that felt really good. I want to talk about the authority. I want to talk about power. What I want to talk about is recognizing that since we are on this commission with God, that he doesn't set us up for failure. He always, always, always sets us up for success. He doesn't give us an assignment and then not give us the tools in order to do it. He starts this passage right here and says, all authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority. How many of you guys know that you can't take authority? It has to be given to you. Right? Authority is imparted. And Jesus says, all authority. Come on, this is... All authority, not some of it, not just the stuff that you need here on earth. He's saying all authority in the universe, all of creation has been given to me. Now, I, get, I tell you, I want you to walk in that authority. That's really powerful. That's really important, isn't it? And I love that. So this shouldn't be in question when it comes to how we live on this planet, that all authority has been given to him. He's saying, I want you to go in that authority. So we shouldn't question if I have authority to go do the things that he's commanded me to do. But I want to break it down a little bit more because there is a difference between the word authority, exousia in the Greek, and the word power. Exousia is authority. Power is dunamis. Dunamis is a, a, shall I say, a powerful word. I know you're not supposed to give definitions by using the word you're trying to define, but it's a powerful word. The word dunamis is where we get the word dynamite. Now think about this for a moment. He's given us all the authority. It's like him saying, all right, I've enlisted you and now you have a badge. How many of you know that that's part of what uh, policemen get when they come through the academy? They get two things when they come through. They get a badge. What else do they get? A gun. There's two things needed to walk in this thing called the kingdom of God. The message of the kingdom, when it's brought, it's brought with two things primarily. You have the assignment, you have the authority, that's your badge right there, but you also have the gun. Might I suggest this, that authority will come in the commission, but power comes in the encounter. Last week we looked at it. Here's Jesus giving the great commission. We get into the book of Acts, and we see that Jesus walked around for 40 days on the planet after his resurrection. And he was proving his resurrection by many signs. I think, I don't know why it needs many signs. I think just him showing up on the scene would be like, okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, you were dead, now you're back. I know, this is, I know. But he's showing up on the scene and he's proving by many signs that he's resurrected, that he's alive. He walks around on the planet for 40 days, gives the great commission, and he says this, go, but don't go. 
Now, I'm paraphrasing this, so stick with me for a moment. He says, go, but then Acts 1.8, he says, don't leave Jerusalem until you are clothed with power on high. And when you get that power, then go. I think we've got a lot of the church walking around knowing that they have authority at some level, but not recognizing that we have power. Look at Acts 1.8. Actually, I'm going to read from verse 1. To Theophilus, the lover of God, I write to you again, my dear friend, to give you further details about the life of our Lord Jesus and all the things that he did and taught. I had you do this two weeks ago. Do it again if you haven't. Highlight, underline, do something with your Bible, did and taught. Everybody say it. Did and taught. I, I believe it's important for us not just to communicate the words of Jesus, but to do the very thing that he did. Think about it for a moment. Had Jesus showed up on the scene and done his ministry for three and a half years like he did and did no miracles, it would be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? I mean, we hear stories of people saying, nobody talks like this man. I've never heard speech like this. Where is this coming from? But he didn't just say the words. He came and he brought his kingdom with him. He both did and he taught. Look at verse 2. Just before he ascended into heaven, he left instructions for the apostles he had chosen by Holy Spirit. After the sufferings of his cross, Jesus appeared alive many times to these same apostles over a 40-day period. We just talked about that. Jesus proved to them with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. During these encounters, everybody say encounters. Yes, because authority comes in the commission, power comes in the encounter. He taught them through the truth of the kingdom realm and shared meals with them. Jesus instructed them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift I told you about, the gift the Father has promised. For John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Every time they gathered together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is it now time for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He answered, the Father is the one who has set the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. But I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be filled with power. Somebody say amen to that. And you will be my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant provinces, even to the remotest places on earth. Jesus proved to them with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. During these encounters, he taught them the truth of what? God's kingdom realm. When I look back at the book of Acts, when I look back at the early church, there's one thing that keeps coming up over and over again. And when I look at that, compared to what I see in the current church, I'm not here to bring a disparaging word about the current church. I love the church. That's what I'm giving my life for. I'm not doing this to say we're bad. But I am recognizing that we've lost something that the early church carried. And this, again, is one of those things I don't want to build theologies on. There are theologies out there that are called cessationalist, where they believe that the apostolic era ended, that the gifts of the Spirit ended. And you can... You can use the Bible to make up anything you want, but I can't ever find a place in there where it was ever rescinded. That God gave, 
and it was up to us to walk in it. And when I go back and specifically look through the book of Acts, I see them walking in crazy kinds of power, effortless kinds of power. And the beauty of it is I see it happening outside the church walls. I've got a real passion for this. Back in 2008, some of you know the story. We were pastoring a church in Nashville. God showed up in a pretty profound way. It was way, way, can I say way, way outside of my theological grid. Had I been sitting there, not involved, and just watching what would happen, I probably at that point might have gotten up and left because my theology was everything. God showed up, did a pretty crazy thing in the church, and I won't go into the depth on the story right now, but it radically, 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 in a moment, changed my perspective on how New Testament ministry works. And it was a challenge. It brought some heartache with it, but it brought some depths of understanding in him, some experiences in him that took me to a completely different place. Have you guys ever experienced God like that, where it takes your theology and it blows it up? I'm talking about not something you've witnessed. I'm talking about something you've experienced. It's one thing to be in participation, sitting in a room. It's another thing to be in an encounter. If we're honest... what we really would be saying is, I want to be in the room with Jesus and watch him do things, but I don't want him to do anything with me. A lot of the church, we live like that. We want to see the signs and wonders. We want to experience them. It'd be great to be in a room to see somebody's leg grow out or to see somebody get up out of a wheelchair or to see somebody get free from their addiction just like that where their language changes. I, I want all that kind of stuff, but I'm telling you, the people that really receive that kind of stuff are the people that have come to a place in their lives that say, I'm not satisfied. I need more. I need more. And we'll find out more what more looks like here in just a minute. It doesn't always come out very easy. But in experiencing that, 2008, it was Mother's Day of 2008. It's affectionately known to our family as the mother of all Sundays. God showed up, blew our theological grid. It just blew it up. I don't live with outside of the box with God anymore. The box is blown up. The minute I think I understand him, I'm conforming him to my image instead of me being conformed into his. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm talking about I want to look like the early church. I feel like a couple of weeks ago, laying on the floor right there on a Tuesday afternoon, nobody in the room, I'm feeling like Holy Spirit saying to me, Andrew, you've got to reclaim the book of Acts. Reclaim the book of Acts. Not so we can be seen as some kind of powerhouse church. That's not the point at all. I've got this thing inside of me where I want to see his kingdom advanced. Isaiah 9 says, of his government, there will be no end. It will increase. Me being who I am, apostolic calling, I look big picture all the time. I'm constantly looking at it. I'm looking at the church from a, just a... Big picture, and I'm going, where is it? Where is it? I, f I firmly believe that the day of one-person ministry on a platform where everybody come to see and experience, that's great. It had its time. I think we're in a new season as the church. Are you guys still with me today? 
I think we're in a new season as the church. I really believe, I really believe Romans 8, it's near and dear to my heart, that the whole earth is groaning in anticipation for the revelation of the sons of God. It's not the coming into. We are the sons of God. The earth is waiting for the revelation of it. All of humanity, all of earth itself is waiting for us to wake up to who we really are. Stop being passive people. Say, God, if there's power available to me, then I want it. And be okay with the fact that when it comes, it may not look like we think it should look. It may not look like you heard what you heard somebody else give a testimony about. Testimonies are there to show you outcome, not to build processes off of. Hello. They're there to show you outcomes. They're not to show you principles. That's a good word, Andrew. What do we tend to do at the church? If we're honest, we hear a testimony of how somebody did something and somebody, a miracle happened. What do we do? Oh, that's how you do miracles? Okay, I'm going to do it like that. Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we heal the sick? Yeah, I never knew you. I don't know fully what that means when Jesus was talking about that. I know I don't want to be that person. What I want to be is a person who lives cutting edge. I want to be the kind of person that makes history, not repeats it. I'm a big fan of revivalist. I'm a big fan of John G. Lake. I'm an, I'm an even bigger fan of Smith Wigglesworth. You guys know who he is? John G. Lake saw way more miracles than Smith Wigglesworth did. But I can totally relate to Smith Wigglesworth. English guy, he's a plumber, can't hardly read. Has an encounter with God so full of power, he walks in a crazy kind of miraculous power. I mean weird. And we love him now because he's dead. It's true. We love him now because he's dead. When he was alive, he, uh -uh, he wasn't so much liked. How many in here have never heard of his name before? Interesting man. He saw sickness absolutely as a demon. He didn't see it any different. So his way of taking care of those kinds of things was punching them. There's a story of Smith Wigglesworth. It's probably one of my favorite because it's so offensive. Lady comes to one of his meetings. Young infant had died. He's standing there speaking. Brings her young infant who had passed away up to the platform, sets it up on the platform, and he walks up and goes, kicks the baby off. Baby hits the ground and comes back to life. Now, I'm not suggesting you go do that. <laughs> it's really the point. I want to live in such a way that I don't have to pattern my life after Smith Wigglesworth. You hear what I'm saying? What I'm wanting is that kind of understanding, connection, empowerment through my encounter with him that it causes me to be something that is just other. Why? Because there's nobody like me on the planet. I'm his favorite in case you didn't know that. Why? I'm the only one like me. You're his favorite. You're the only one like you. There's encounters in God. I really do believe this. There are encounters in God that he wants to take us into way more than we want to enter into. He wants to take us into it, but we've got to stop looking at our lives as a pattern after somebody else's. I'm thankful for fathers in the faith. I so am, and I believe in family. I believe that the kingdom of God actually doesn't function in its fullness outside of family. That's why things run for a little while and end up stopping because they're not designed to, to, 
to be inside a family. What am I saying here? When I look at the book of Acts, the message and the release of power were not separate. They were two sides of the same coin. They didn't look at it any different. There was no such thing as just preaching a sermon. There was the message, however long or short, however many people were around, however many few people were around, they never saw the difference between saying the gospel and bringing it with power. There was no difference. And I don't believe that is something that has to dissipate with the church. I think it's something because of his increase of his government, there will be no end. It's something that should be increasing in the earth. Do I have anybody in here with me today? How many want to see this happen? I am 100% shot through convinced that there is no withholding on his part. Zero. We say we want more and more and more and more of God. I want more, I want more, I want more, but... I don't think he's withholding. I really don't. How many want more? Now you don't want to put your hands up. I want more too, but I'm recognizing if he's not the one withholding, then I have to look inside and go, what am I doing to hold on to my self-life? What am I doing to hold on to my own? There's a word I'm looking for. Pride, it's pride. My own reputation, there it is. What am I doing that's wanting to hold on to my own reputation? I really do believe that the true message of the kingdom will always carry power with it. I want to live like that. I've had moments like that. I feel like I've had uh, adventures into it. There are times where I've walked in extended seasons of it. After everything happened in 08, I don't know how long it was. It was six, nine months, I guess, of walking in some pretty crazy things. Pretty crazy stuff. One of the stories, I'll tell you a testimony out of that so that you don't build a process off of, but it'll show you outcome. After everything happened in 08, some pretty miraculous stuff was happening. Crushed feet, getting healed right in front of our eyes. Stage four cancer, getting healed. I mean, it was just nonstop. We weren't even crying out for healing. It's just how God showed up. I remember the leader of the student intern program at the church we were part of. She said, won't you come in and just talk about what's going on? with the student interns. There was about 25 students. And one of those interns had been dealing with chest congestion for some time. Couldn't get over it. And I'm talking about just testifying to what God is doing. And he, studying people like Smith Wigglesworth, says to me, I want you to hit me in the chest. Now, at that moment, I was not feeling the faith to conjure up Smith Wigglesworth. I wasn't feeling the faith to do it, but he, I could feel it coming off of him. And I said, you really want me to do that? He goes, yeah, I want you to hit me in the chest. Hit me as hard as you can. I said, all right. So I get across the room. He's standing there. I run across the room and open-handed smack him across the chest. No, I wasn't playing. I was like, all right, we're going to see something happen here. I wasn't playing. I could feel the, anybody ever feel that where you feel the faith coming off of somebody else and it just draws you into something deeper? Hmm, feel another bunny path there. That's why we need family. It's not all about your faith. Sometimes you need the faith of other people. So I'm, I run across the room. I smack him across the chest. Immediately, he runs over to the corner, grabs a trash can, pukes into the trash can, and was completely healed. Now, that's a great story. 
What was so great, though, was not what happened. What was great to me was watching those students. Not because they just experienced something happen there. Every one of them had their own little encounter with God in that moment. I would hear a few of them later on coming to me, just in random. You know, I'd be walking through the church. They'd come and they'd say something about what God's doing in their life. And I know it's because of their experience in that. Are you guys tracking with me? We need those kinds of experiences. But I also saw inside of those students a hunger. I saw a drive where they were starting to risk it, where they were starting to move out into new places. They were trying different things, believing that God's going to show up. Why? Because we're supposed to have this, not only the message of the gospel, but the power that's supposed to come with it. So I have to ask this. I've got a few things for you here, and I'm going to try something a little different. Two questions. There are two things that I want to bring up. And they are questions. The first one is, what is power for? What is the power for? I think that's a fair question, don't you? Yes. I mean, not to just assume that it's to do things like other people have done. You have to ask the question, if God, if you're giving me authority, and if you've given me Holy Spirit, we talked about it two weeks ago, baptism of the Holy Spirit, clothed with power, not tongues, power. If you get tongues, that's great. It's kind of like saying, I'm going to get baptized and I might get wet. No, you'll probably get wet. The point is not, I know how you feel. I know exactly how you feel. I've got a heckler on the front row, that's all. <laughs> if I have this, then what is it for? What is power all about? Here's the first thing I look at when I see what is power for. Number one, radical personal transformation. Radical personal transformation. You might want to write these down. What is power for? The first one, radical personal transformation. Do you remember at Pentecost what happened? They're all in one accord. They're all waiting. They're all just, they're all worshiping God. They're saying, I don't know what we're here for, but God said, Jesus says, wait, I'm going to be here. I'm going to worship. Something's going to happen. They're all together, tongues of fire, the sound of the wind entering the building. Golly, that just sounds like so much fun to me. All of this happening Filled with the Holy Spirit, they start speaking in other tongues. People on the outside of the building hear them, think they're crazy, but at the same time, they're hearing people who don't speak their native language speak their native language. The wonderful praises of God are being brought out. And who is it that stands up and preaches? Peter. Peter, the one who just a few days earlier had been saying, I don't know Jesus. I don't know who he is. This is the first thing I'm seeing. If we're really engaging in this heavenly kingdom realm power, that when we receive it, one of the first things that's going to happen is personal transformation. You have a guy who's denying he ever knew the man, and then he stands up there, and you ought to read it, Acts chapter 2. He actually blames him. He says, you guys killed the author of life. You did it. What makes a person do that? What makes them move from denial into absolute standing there with no fear. This is what the prophet Joel prophesied about. This is what's happening right here. Holy Spirit's poured out on everybody. Author of life comes. You kill him. But don't feel bad. It was God's plan from the beginning. Preaches a powerful message. Here's the second one. What's power for? Repentance. Repentance. The very first time Jesus brings up the message of the kingdom, he starts by saying, go and tell them, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus begins his ministry saying, repent. When did Jesus begin his ministry? 
after he was baptized with Holy Spirit. Come on, are you with me? He says, go tell them, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So I have to ask you guys, please help me out here. What does repent mean? Change your mind, that's right. Change your thinking. Change your complete approach. Take everything you think you know to be about God, take it and just throw it in the trash pile because there's something else coming here. It's what the word repent means. Jesus is saying, change your perspective on reality because I brought my world with me and I'm telling you, it can be experienced. It's available now. I believe repentance comes through demonstration, not clever oration. If you're asking people to repent, meaning to change their mind, you have to give them something to look at. Come on, are you with me? You got to give them something to look at. It's so much easier to say repent and believe the gospel and pray a prayer with somebody because then my credibility is not on the line. Have you ever thought about this? What if we moved into a different realm where we're bringing the gospel and we're bringing the power of God with it? So I'm not just saying to people, repent. I'm saying, repent, change, change your mind, change the way you think, and let me show you something. This is what heaven really looks like. This is what heaven really, really looks like. Mm. Stay here a second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel I'm I'm really not just interested in talking about this. Yes, I know it's awkward. Stay here. Mm-hmm. Yes, God. Come on, is he good? Is he good all the time? Yeah, just take a moment, start to thank him for what you have in your life. Thank you for thanking for your experiences in him, what he's brought to you. Salvation, hope, restoration, redemption. You pulled me out of a pit and you put my feet on a rock. Somebody in here have damage to your shoulder. I'm seeing something in the clavicle area. Anybody have any damage to your shoulder? Do right there is it your left shoulder? It's your right shoulder? What's that? Did I hear left shoulder? Okay, so we got a left shoulder and a right shoulder. So if I say left shoulder, I get your left shoulder. If you say right shoulder, I'm looking at you, which is actually my left, so it's your left shoulder. <laughs> I feel like does it hurt right now? Nope. Does yours hurt right now? Okay, can we just get a little awkward for a second? Dave, you mind coming up here for a sec? Both of you, go ahead and come on up here. I don't feel like a very big man right now. 
okay? I feel very vulnerable, but I'm going to risk it. Jesus. Jesus. Everybody just extend your hands to these guys right here. Come a little closer because I don't want to come in. Yeah, we just declare healing over your body. And what we're doing right now is we're bringing the message of the kingdom. Right now, we bring the message of the kingdom and we just say, be healed right now. Everything that Jesus paid for and that he's given us to do, we just say yes to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, just guys, check it out. Is anything happening at all in your shoulder? I know you said you weren't feeling any pain. Usually it pops and hurts when I do, do stuff like that with the weight on it. Is it doing it now? It's not popping. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. What about you? Anything happening with you at all? It's loosening up. Is it loosening up? If you're not, you know, it's okay. Yeah. I just, I'm going to just say thank you, God. Come on. Everybody say thank you to that. Thank you. Yeah, that stuff where it was popping before and it's not now when you put pressure on it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Amen? Thank you, guys. I just, why, why am I doing that? You guys can go. Thank you. I just, I don't want to talk about this kind of stuff. If there's no experience in it and I just keep talking about experience, all I'm doing is talking and I'm bringing one side of the coin. third thing I was going to mention when it comes to what's power for it's that right there it's experience the gospel message always carries the element of kingdom experience oh yeah so much easier just to say pray with me and you'll go to heaven what if we were to say pray with me and I'll show you heaven pray with me and I'll show you heaven You guys got your gospel running shoes on? Take your Bibles, open them up again, turn to 1 Corinthians 4, 19 and 20. Here is Paul. He's addressing the church. He's, he's got, we've gone through Acts at this point. We're a few years ahead. Here's Paul writing to the church at Corinth, and he's having to back up his own apostolic ministry. He's having to say to the church at Corinth, I know you got a bunch of other people showing up here. I like the Passion Translation. He says, I know you got a bunch of babysitters, but you don't have a whole lot of fathers. It says teachers in some translation. You, you have a lot of teachers, but you don't have many fathers. I like the way Passion Translation puts it. You got a lot of babysitters, but you don't have a lot of fathers. Guys, the kingdom only function to its fullest inside a family. Only. You don't have full generational ministry. You don't have the church. You have a piece of the church. Here's Paul. He's addressing something that's concerning him and his true apostolic authority. 1 Corinthians 4 19 says this, But I will come soon if it pleases the Lord, and I will find out not only what these arrogant ones are saying, but also if they have the power to back up their words. You've got people coming on the scene now. They're recognizing. He even has to address it. He's saying, these guys coming on the scene, they're preaching the word. They're actually making money from it, and they're a little dishonest. And he says, even if they're doing that, it's okay. Even the gospel's being preached. But I want you to understand, you may have a lot of teachers out there, but you don't have a lot of fathers. And when I show up on the scene, I'm going to ask this question. You got the words, where's the power? 
Because I'm going to show you more. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 19 and 20. For the kingdom realm of God comes with power, not simply impressive words. What was the gauge? I think it's two things. Power is the gauge and family is the gauge. Because he's in that context. He's saying you don't have many fathers. Are you guys tracking with me today? I know I keep asking it. There's, there is something about the fullness of the kingdom being released, but it is only released in generational ministry. It can, why do we have power releases? Why do we have revivals that go for a little while and they end? Primarily they end because they aren't looking for the future generation. They are looking for the return of Jesus. They're looking for, oh, Christ is going to return. All these miracle signs and wonders. Now we're looking for Christ's return instead of investing themselves into a generation under them so that they can carry it. This is one of the things, one of the primary reasons I was so attracted to Bill Johnson when I met him. That the ministry that they're doing, where they've been seeing 16, 18, 19 years now, I think, of ongoing sustained revival, it's not happening because of one man. As a matter of fact, you listen to Bill, he's not a fiery preacher. He's pretty revelatory, doggone it. But what has he done? He's invested himself into generations to come. And I know it can be sustained, not because it's just they're seeing the power of God released. They're seeing it released, and they're watching individuals come up and be released in it. That's what I'm talking about. So I gave you the first question. What's the power for? I want to give you the next question. How do I grow in power? How many want to grow in it? I do. How do I grow in power? Are you ready for this one? This one's going to hurt. Push the envelope of your own personal comfort so you will be required to act more profoundly than what you are comfortable with. Push the envelope. You want more power? You push the envelope. Casual pursuit gets casual breakthrough. You want to pursue it casually? You want to pursue breakthrough in power by showing up in some meetings where there's power going on? That's casual. You can do that. That's great. It's wonderful. Are you guys with me? We can go to meetings hoping something's going to happen, but it's casual. At what point do we step into it and go, no, man, I, I got the kingdom of God inside of me. I got it inside of me wherever I go. I don't need everybody else around me to bolster me. I can do this. I can walk into any place that I'm given. I can walk in there and say, I'm not... I got breakthrough. Danielle was singing it about, did you feel it this morning when she was singing about that? I was like, yeah, 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 that's exactly what's happening here. That's what breakthrough feels like. I was feeling it. But I'm feeling it because I've, at least at some level, I haven't attained this thing. But I'm still growing in it. But it's part of learning and saying, I have to take the step across the line. Ooh, this is uncomfortable. I got to move. Step into that place where it moves me beyond my place of comfort. There's a reason why Holy Spirit's called the comforter. Because we're designed to live in places that are not comfortable. It didn't say he would make you comfortable. He said he would send the comforter. That intimates that you're going to be in places where you're not comfortable. Hello? Hello? Here's what I'm discovering. If I live my life where I make myself comfortable, I find a level of comfortability, is that right? Of my own making, I don't see the kingdom come. Because I don't need the comforter then. If I put myself in a place of comfort that I've designed, I don't need the comforter. 
But when I put myself in a position where I absolutely need the comforter, not only is he always there, it takes me into places that I've never discovered before, and I grow. Why? Because I'm pushing the envelope of my own personal comfort. The second part of this of how do I grow in power? Stay in family. Stay in family. It's a good word, Andrew. Acts chapter 14. Moving one last verse here. Acts chapter 14, 21 and 22. After preaching the wonderful news of the gospel there and winning a large number of followers to Jesus, they retraced their steps and revisited Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. And each place they went, they strengthened the lives of the believers and encouraged them to go what? Deeper in their faith. And they taught them, it's necessary for us to enter into the kingdom realm because that's the only way we will endure our many trials and persecutions. I'm going to suggest something to you. Every advancement in the kingdom is connected to difficulty. Every single one. I'm sure if I were to pause here and just ask a few of you to come up and give testimony, you would probably, you would probably hear the same theme in all of them, that anybody who has a testimony of an encounter with God, it was found with a level of difficulty. The kingdom flourishes in challenge. Jesus gives a command to the disciples to go into all the world, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Do you know when they finally started doing that? If you look back, they didn't start doing it, even though they had received the phenomenal cosmic power. Itty bitty living space. Even though they had received that, they didn't move out into the world until persecution came. The kingdom flourishes in persecution. It flourishes in places of challenge. It flourishes in places of difficulty. How many of you know this? That favor from heaven doesn't always translate as favor on earth. When you increase in power, you're increasing in favor. Jesus increased in favor with both God and man, right? As he increased with favor with both God and man, he increased with favor with man, but not every man. Mary, blessed aren't you, Highly favored one. What? I get to be the one that brings the Messiah into the world? Do you think that she had all good things happen to her after that? Think about this. She's carrying the Christ child, and for at least nine months, she's dealing with persecution. Having a child outside of wedlock. I'm just saying that oftentimes when favor comes and we want more and we ask for it, it doesn't always come and it's just a bed of roses. When favor comes, it doesn't always translate into favor from man. Are we okay with living like that? I have to ask ourselves the question, am I okay with living like that? Am I okay with being someone that might be a little unique? I'm not talking about being stupid. Please hear me here, okay? There is a difference between approaching this with a childlike faith and a childish faith. They're two different things. And you know how you keep from being like that? You know how you keep from being childish or fool-ish? You live in community. It solves it. You, you get, you get, I guarantee you, you get around people that you're really living life with and you're pursuing it and you're going after God and you do something really stupid, you've got family around you to say, hey, God's doing something inside of you right there. Or you've got family around you to say, eh, don't do that anymore. That just was a bad case of stupid. Spirit of stupid came on you right then. 
And I know, I know that's not who you are. I know that, but doggone it, you're going for it. That's awesome. What we need, what we want, usually is just on the other side of an offense. I really do believe this, church. When Jesus says offenses must come, he says, woe to the man by whom the offense comes, but he says offenses must come. It's like, what is he talking about right there? He's saying offenses must come because in it, it reveals what's going on inside of us. I believe a lot of the breakthrough, how many want breakthrough? I, a lot of the breakthrough that, you're encount, that you need, the thing that you want, is just on the other side of that offense that's right in front of you. And that offense, the word offense, scandalon, it's where we get the word scandal. It's like the, the word was originally used to describe a piece of bait in a trap. That's offense. Isn't that weird? Description. But whenever we come up in against an offense and we let ourselves be offended by it, it's like we're taking the bait out of the trap and now we're the ones stuck. Now I'm the one in the trap. The very breakthrough that we need lies just beyond offense. I've had people say things like this to me before. Well, Andrew, I just don't, I don't like the way sometimes people shake and sometimes the way they fall to the ground or they'll do stuff like that. It's like, don't miss out. Don't miss out. I used to get offended by little things like that. Oh, this person acts weird in worship or they do weird things like that. I'm telling you, your breakthrough is right on the other side of that offense you're facing right there. Wow. How many want breakthrough? Are we okay to say that it may come because I just let some offense down and I'm not so worried about someone who says they get drunk in the spirit all the time. That offends me when people do that. Man, that's too bad because your breakthrough is right there. Your breakthrough is right there. Man, if you could just kind of let that thing go a little bit and be okay with the fact that that person may be experiencing God in a way that's different than you will experience God, that your breakthrough will be just beyond that. Or if we face the offense of going, I don't want to do that. God, if that's what it looks like and you show up, I don't want to do that. There's the offense. Yep. He gives the spirit without measure, the word says. So if there's any lack on my part, it's not because he's withholding. It's because I'm usually facing something that I just need to stare it down and go, I refuse to be offended by what happens in other people. Come on, are you guys with me this morning? Yes. Casual pursuit always gets casual breakthrough. I like to look at it like this. There are people who can come into a meeting where God is showing up, where healing is happening, and they want to be close to it. And they get, it's like their, their core temperature will heat up just a little bit. But because of offense, because of fear, because of whatever it is, they don't fully find the breakthrough that they're looking for. So the minute they walk out of the building, now they're cold again. Hello? I've heard Bill talk about this. People go to Bethel and they want to get inside the fire of revival fires that are going on there and they get into it and he goes, this is great, this is wonderful, but I don't care if you're burning now. I want to know if you're burning 20 years from now. I want to know if you have the ability to take what has been given to you, to hold on to it, to have your own fire, be able to stoke it on the inside, have your own kind of power fire going on the inside so that when you get out of these walls, you go back into the workplace where everything is difficult, your boss is an absolute jerk, your family doesn't like you, people around you are just doing whatever it is that they do, being human, are you still burning? Are you still burning on the inside? It, hmm. My apostolic calling is not here for you to bring people into this church so that maybe they'll encounter God. That is not my job. My job is to help you burn. 
My job is to help you see that what you have inside of you is so unique. And if you get beyond the offense, get beyond the fear that all of a sudden something will go woof and you'll burst into flames. You'll find yourself walking out of here. You don't even know what you're doing anymore. You're encountering the people that you were having problems with and all of a sudden they're encountering God because you're not focused on the problem. <gasps> Take a breath. <laughs> Did that make sense at all? Yes. How many want to burn? How many want that kind of power? I don't want to have just authority. I want that kind of power working through me that wherever I go, I don't even have to say anything. I can walk into the room. I know that it happens. I have felt this before. I know that feeling. I know when I walk into a room, I'm so consumed with God that I'm not trying to get a word for somebody. The word just flows out of me. My focus is not on, can I get a word? Can I prophesy? Can I speak in tongues? Can I heal the sick? I'm not even thinking about that. It's just burning inside of me, and I walk out of the room, and whatever I touch, whatever I get near just gets infected with it. How many want to burn like that? This is the power of God. Well, I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, Andrew. I've done that. I've spoken in tongues. Get it again. Get it again. Ephesians 5 tells us to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Get it again. When we wake up and start to realize this unique tension we live in, that I'm responsible for me. I am responsible to carry the power of God inside of me. I am the only, it's so arrogant sounding. I am the manifestation of the kingdom of God in the earth. That's who I am. Why? Because I have him inside of me. I have this power. I have Holy Spirit inside of me. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it's inside of you. Come on, are you with me? It sounds arrogant to say that, but I'm not willing to, to risk not living in power because I don't want to sound arrogant. I can put on the false humility. I can put it on. Well, you know, it's just Jesus. Well, of course it is. Why do I even have to bring attention to that? Of course it is. But be okay with the fact that he comes out of you unique. Be okay with the fact, church, that I don't live in the same sphere you live in. It is not my job to do things with the people in your sphere. It's yours. I mean, that's awkward. Nobody's done it yet. Maybe just because they haven't had the guts yet. But nobody's calling me up saying, Andrew, will you come to my workplace here? Because it's really difficult here. This is a really hard place to live. I mean, I've got some people who just really hate God. I just really thought, man, if you come in here, you could really help change the atmosphere. Mm -mm, not my job. That's you. That's you. This is what I'm talking about when I say the day of platform, one person, anointed man of God kind of ministry. You've got that same man of God in you. You've got the one that made this person do the things that they do. You've got him inside of you. Come on. Mm. We're going to reclaim Acts. Yes. Mm. There's a story. I'm going to end with this. There's a story in Mark 6. It's a strange account of Jesus walking on the water when the storm is out there. And it says in that passage of Scripture in Mark 6 that Jesus was walking on the water and he would have passed them by. Have you ever thought about this in that passage? It says there he would have passed them by. Well, why was he out on the water anyway? I mean, I'm thinking about this story going, they're out there, they're in a boat, they're scared. He starts walking on the water, and they see him, they freak out, and it says he would have passed them by. Here's what I think. I think there are a lot of people waiting for Jesus to come get into your boat when he's just walking. 
He's waiting for somebody to call out and say, come over here. Come over here. Get in my boat. Get in my boat. We're just waiting. We're going to die. Where's Jesus? And when we see him, we're scared. Did you know that's the account of what happened? They freak out. That The whole story doesn't make sense to me. There's some things I can glean from it. They thought he was a ghost. See a thing walking on the water. You think he's a ghost. You're freaked out. The ghost speaks to you and says, hey, call to me. It's just me. I don't know what changed in their minds at that moment because if they thought it was a ghost and the ghost spoke, don't you think that's not the thing you would want to get in your boat? I don't know. This is how my mind works. I just think sometimes we're out there, we're waiting, we're in the middle of something, we're saying, oh, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need more, I need more power, I need, I need the revelation of God, I need something. And at some, t- at some point, we've got to say, God, come get in the boat. Even though you're scary, even though I don't know what the heck you're doing or why you're out there in the first place because your plan was to pass them by. Even though I don't know what you're doing, I'm saying, come get in the boat. Even if you're weird, even if it does something weird to me, come on, are you guys with me? Everybody stand up here. I just want to know how many people want to have Jesus come get in your boat. This message of the kingdom is more than just words. It's the demonstration of the spirit and of power. Paul said that to the Corinthians. He said, I didn't come to you with persuasive words of man's wisdom and with eloquence of speech. I came to you with the demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not be in the wisdom of man, but it would be in the power of God. You can't argue with someone who has an encounter. I tell you testimonies. David's shoulder gets healed right here on the spot. I didn't plan that. I want to know who wants to encounter that kind of power and live with it and be okay with being weird. Be okay with being weird. Can I just pray it over you? If you're nodding your head to me, I'm going to ask you. Nod your head if you want more of that. Okay, I'm seeing everybody nodding their heads. If you want more of that, I'm just going to pray right now that, not because I'm so great at this. This is not the point. I just know that I've experienced some things, and I'm like, I'm not even satisfied with where I'm at. That our awareness would shift right now. Yeah, just hold your hands on. I'm just going to impart over you right now that your awareness would shift. You would shift, it would shift off of your own frailty, your own failed humanity, that you would shift your mind, your entire thinking off of the problems that you're facing. That your meditation, the meditation of your heart would shift. What do I mean by that? I'm talking about the things you think about when nobody's around, but to still your mind still running. That's what you're meditating. That's what you're doing. You're meditating at that moment. We just need to change the subject matter. That it would shift. The meditation of your heart would shift. That you would start meditating and thinking on the very things that God thinks. That this repentance would become real. That it would become more than just, I need to stop doing bad things. You would start to think like God thinks. Instead of saying, I need to stop doing these things wrong, you start thinking like, I'm not required to do those things wrong. Because of who I am, because of who is inside of me. I'm praying right now, just for everybody in this room, right now, a fresh baptism of Holy Spirit. The heart cry that says, more, more, more. That heart cry gets met with an encounter with God that rocks you, that rocks your frame, your very person, down to the bones inside of you. Everything starts to rattle. You're getting moved into a place where you just, you can't stand normal anymore. You can't stand it. 
You want more, you're saying, God, do more, and I'm putting myself out there. Did you know when Romans says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, this is your reasonable act of worship? When it says, present your body as a living sacrifice, there's a problem there. We're alive, and we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, but as soon as God gets close with his fire, we want to crawl off the altar. We know something throughout the Old Covenant that fire falls on sacrifice. Fire falls on sacrifice. If there's no fire in your life, you have to ask the question, what am I sacrificing? What am I really giving? If fire's not falling on it, maybe there's not a real sacrifice there yet. Come on. Come on. Every heart cry in the room, I'm challenging you. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. Feel my hand in the small of your back pushing you along saying, come on, come on, a little more, but I'm not going to do it passively. God, whatever it takes, whatever it looks like, I'm moving into power. I am reclaiming this thing of Acts. I'm going to look like the church. I'm going to look like what you designed me to look at, look like. Yes, God. Yes, God. Put your hand on your heart. Put it on your head. Lord, right now, there's no blocks right here. Whatever has been spoken that is communicated to the inside man, I pray there's no blocks in it communicating with the head. And anything that's communicated with the head, I pray there's no blocks in communicating with the heart. Lord, that we become a full, honest representation. That the bride of Christ start looking like the bridegroom. That the body of Christ start growing into proportion with the head we all start looking the same start looking like you we start being the full manifestation of the kingdom this message of the kingdom that has more than just words it's a release of the dynamic miracle working power in jesus name amen 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 all right prayer teams go ahead and make your way up here if you guys need prayer for anything if you want somebody just to pray with you for more of this stuff You want somebody just to agree with you. You want release into baptism with the Holy Spirit. If you've never done it, do it. Don't be afraid in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Bless you all. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.